You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, well, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet. While you still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are back after that wonderful trip to Gramland last time. Thank you for enjoying it. Thank you for the comments we got. Thank you, thank you for getting the April Fool's joke we gave you guys last time. <laughs> I think everybody needed a little bit le- levity with what's going on in the world right now. And it was Graham, so it was awesome. You know. Mike Gordon was ready to talk all about Graham again this week. So wait, you know. it was a joke. What? Yeah. What? What? Wait a minute. What That's are you crazy. About? No, no. Come on, man. I hey. The, the people hey, are listening. Hey, man. That's, That's one of our highest funny. rated shows ever. It was. It was funny. one of our highest rated shows. Hey, Mike and Mary, April Fools. It was a joke. We're not doing Earth Station Graham. I I am crushed. But we're going to talk about David Tennant tonight. Yes. So, <laughs> wow, that didn't take much. We are going to be talking all about 42 from the third season of New Doctor Who, because it was the second season of David Tennant, and it was a fun story. And it is a Chris Chibnall story, folks. That's right. We get more Chris Chibnall. Just, you know, what you guys were waiting for, I'm sure. But... We have, you know, Mike and Mary here. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Hello. It is fantastic to be here. Howdy. Everything going okay? You surviving all right? So far, so good. Yep. We're here. We're here. Okay. That's good. We don't have anywhere else to be, so why yeah, not? Yeah, we have none. I mean, we're just going to be here. Exactly. So forever. Forever. It just it almost feels like that. You know, it almost feels like Groundhog Day. <sighs> you know, get up, watch CNN. <laughs> exactly, watch Doctor Who again. You know, read some comics, look at the, play a video game, go to bed, get up the next morning, do the same thing. So it's not terrible, but you know, it should be kind of cool. But we hope you guys at home are doing well also. So we are going to be talking all about 42, and we have a guest with us. We actually have our friend, Jenna Selverstein here. Welcome. Hey, Mikey. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. To, well, actually, welcome to Earth Station Who. Is this your first time on the podcast? Earth Station Who? I think so. Yes, because we've had you on Earth Station One twice already. That is true. And so it's really awesome to have you. You want to tell everyone a little bit about your geek cred and your history with Doctor Who? Oh my gosh. Well, my geek cred goes back a long time. Uh, for 10 years, I was an acquisitions editor at Bantam Spire, which was the science fiction imprint at um, what now Random House Books. So I've edited science fiction for years and years. I've edited books for Wizards um, of the Coast, which produces Magic the Gathering. I've edited books for um, Cobalt Press, which is a role playing game company. I've been watching science fiction movies since I was a kid. I'm a Star Trek fan. From the time I was six years old, um, I came to Doctor Who through New Who and completely fell in love with um, the series starting there. And I've been watching ever since. Did you ever watch any of the old Who or was it just your specifically New Who? I'm really a New Who girl. I've tried to watch some of the, I've seen some older episodes. I've tried to really get into it. It hasn't. I haven't attached to it as much as I have New Who. Ah, we might have to strap you down to a chair and you know take you all the way from the beginning. Dude, don't don't taunt me that way. 
Yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> your, your eyes lit up when I said that. It was just like, oh, really? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. No, Faber, oh. Nothing, nothing gets uh, folks hot, more hot and bothered than William Hartnell. Yeah, exactly. That's true. <laughs> I was I was going with the whole Mikey's going to strap me down, but that's okay. That's yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> you know, those are Seattle days. That's okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was supposed to come on and behave myself. You are. You are. This is a Doctor Who podcast. We're a little okay, more family. Okay, We're good. a little more family friendly on this one. So I'll be good. I okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Sure. That's what you said when before you went into the geek seat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it's it's great to have you back up here and you picked 42 tell me about yes, why I you did. picked 42 so um i feel like 42 is this terrific episode that kind of get gets lost in the shadow of the three episodes that follow it in that season because what's it followed by it's followed by human nature family blood and blink oh sure and once those three episodes hit the airwaves Everybody forgot about 42, but 42, from my perspective, um, is great storytelling in terms of the mechanics it employs to create tension. It's great storytelling in terms of character. Um, The relationship between the Doctor and Martha moves forward in a pretty significant way in this episode. And the characters that, that they meet when they land on the ship become really interesting people. We get to know them in really substantial ways uh, in a very short amount of time. And they very quickly become distinctive individual people who we care about by the end of that episode. Um, and so that's, that's where my attachment to this, this episode comes from. It's far more substantial than people give it credit for because it's followed by three high points of the David era. Very true. Very, very true. And it's interesting that you had the tenant era and, you know, Martha was always, you know, they never fulfilled what they needed to with Martha. I always felt like it always felt like Martha was, you know, she was the rebound girlfriend and we always kind of felt sorry for her because Tennant was still always pining over Rose at this point still. And Martha was really interested in the doctor and everything. And she was still getting her feet because even in this episode, this is the, you know, the doctor at the very beginning of it um, fixes her telephone that she can call anywhere in the universe, basically, as long as, as long as she has the area code, as the doctor said. Right. Right. So, my feeling about this episode is that it marks a turning point in the doctor's grieving process for Rose. And I think that because the episode starts with him um, adjusting her phone the way you talked about, and it ends with him, with him giving her the key to the TARDIS. And he gives her the key to the TARDIS because of what they go through in this episode. From a character relationship standpoint, this episode is huge for the two of them. Because he 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 sees her as a companion very shortly in the season. But this episode, this episode, he reveals a piece of himself that he hadn't really revealed to her before. <clears throat> no, very much so. Um, he, he gets to that scene toward the end of the episode where he is, he's taken in the consciousness of the sun and he says to her, I'm scared, I'm so scared. And she tells him, you're going to be okay. We're going to make this happen. We're going to be, we're going to get through this. Um, and he almost, he comes to the very edge of telling her about regeneration. He doesn't. But the fact he trusts her enough, go there to admit his fear, which is not something the doctor talks about very much. Um, to go that far with somebody that he's still just getting to know is a big deal from my perspective. No. I totally understand that. And let's add in Mike and Mary to the conversation. Did you guys see this when it first aired or did you guys come upon it later? Oh yeah. That's at this point I was watching it uh, as it aired. I mean, I couldn't get enough. I couldn't at this, at this point in new who I couldn't see episodes fast enough. Like when they were out, I watched them as soon as I could. How about you, Mary? <laughs> 
Yeah, I came upon it later because I didn't really start watching Doctor Who until Matt Smith. And then I went back and I binge watched everything I could get my hands on. And I, I was just thinking about, you know, looking back on it from what Jenna said, that this is actually a nice lead into human nature because yeah. the doctor is showing um, a kind of vulnerability here that, um, that, that gets even more pronounced in the next episodes. Well, exactly. You know, in the next episode, the doctor puts all his trust in Martha, you know, you know, with the fob watch and with everything like that and, you know, becoming human, you know, and he gave her a set of rules that, you know, you're basically my protector because I won't have a clue what's going on. And that's what made that episode so great. But I could definitely see it building in this story. Yeah. And it's really interesting what, uh, like, like to your point, like I can definitely see that like in the scene where, uh, in the sequence where he's trying to save, uh, Martha with the, in the escape pod. Um, I don't get the feeling that he's trying to save Martha at all. He's trying to save Rose. He's, he's, he's looking back at what happened with Rose and he's, he doesn't want that to happen again. He's not going to lose another companion. And I, I, I see that as like this is his this is his chance at a a do over if you will, and I don't think it's until later till she comes through for him that that's when he sort of acknowledges her because um, I think at that point uh, like throughout the first half she's just kind of a body that's there um, as opposed to somebody that he really really trusts and cares about. Mm-hmm. You know that's really interesting. It hadn't occurred to me that this was him working out that trauma. But I think you have a really good point. And I think when he says to her about the phone frequent flyers privilege, he's not necessarily thinking about her being on the TARDIS long-term. When he gives her a key, that's when you know that the shift has occurred. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, he goes, I mean, he, he sacrifices everything to say, and in and, and an impossible situation. I mean, it really looks like, I mean, I had forgotten, to be honest with you, because your point is valid. I, I love this season. I love, I'm a big Martha fan. Um, but this episode um, is like a hidden gem uh, for me, actually, because I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'd really forgotten about this one and how much is going on here. Um, and that scene in particular just tears tears me up because it really looks like I'm like, how does he save Martha here? I'm like, this is awful. Like (laughs) I'd really forgotten all that. Yeah. Let's not think too hard about the physics of this, of this story because the The story is nonsense and it doesn't make it like the Chibnall script. And it really like, it brings all of that in there. Like it doesn't, there's a lot of stuff that just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, But you know, but the, but as you pointed out, the characters are there, the work is there. Uh, and the acting, uh, particularly by David, is just phenomenal. Oh, extremely so. It was very heavily David. This almost felt like this could have almost been a play on stage, the way this was done. You know, oh, that, that has a lot to do with the direction too. Oh, it's of really course, so well stellar. Yes. Graham Hartburr, I think, was the director here, and just a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it felt very smooth. There wasn't any lull in the story, hence the name for forty-two, because that was the countdown on the clock where it started, and not that it was quite real time, but it was fairly close. Well, uh, that's the thing. I actually was t- I was actually watching the clock while I was watching the episode last night. The action starts at a minute 35 seconds. That's when, that's when the drama begins. The episode is what, 45 minutes long? There is no breathing time. Um, the, and it's a classic storytelling method to build tension. You, you set a clock going, you set a deadline, and you've got to make it. And, and that's where the suspense occurs. It's classic, and it's well-executed. From that perspective, you can't breathe. I mean, I remember watching this the very first time I saw it, and I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, yes, that's what I wanted to say. I also, <laughs> yes. I also well, feel there like you there's a, you know, I feel like there's a lot of Martha growth here. It's like I actually found myself really paying a lot of attention to Martha. I almost couldn't take my eyes off her because she's really good. 
in this episode and she just keeps getting she keeps getting better she keeps it's, it's almost like she's coming into her own like she she you know the, she kind of has to decide i'm either going to step up or i'm going to fade into the background and she does not fade <laughs> at all oh no she, she right up she runs oh, right she's it, like, what i have to do this is what i'm going to do and that's the great thing because there are some really bad stories right before this one and you had the two Daleks in Manhattan stories. And, oh, the, yeah. and then the other one, I don't even remember what it was called, the, that had the mutant, the guy who was transforming into this mutant or something like yeah, that. Lazarus Experiment. Lazarus Experiment. That's what it. And yeah, it, it was just not a good st- couple of stories right there. But Yeah, it was kind of bumpy. Yeah. But this one, I agree completely. Martha came into her own in this one. And... I I thought Freema did a great great job in this, and she could when she was on the escape pod, the scene where you see her pulling away and her like almost like on the window, your heart's breaking for her at that point. That's like oh yeah. I th- I think the thing about that scene that got me was her calling her mother and trying to have a conversation with mom, knowing that this could be it. Oh, yeah, and try, of course. Trying not to put it on her mom, just trying to hear her mother's voice, let her know that she loved her. I mean, that really got me choked up. Admittedly, I may have mommy issues. I lost my, my parents very young. So I see a story like that. I see a scene like that, and it really speaks to my heart. Um, and I thought Freeman did a wonderful, wonderful job with it. And it's really tough. I mean, they shot her super up close. They shot the actress plays her mother super up close there was no escaping that camera it was merciless it made me remember though how much i hated her mother in the series <laughs> oh, I, I despised it you know i thought i didn't like jackie with rose i hated martha's mom even more maybe i have mother issues also i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really interesting to see the dynamic and you know the whole thing you know they were st- putting the subplots of the whole saxton story for the end of the season into this that's that's right yeah and everything but i will say one thing about martha's mother is i thought the actress played it well in that in that scene where martha's calling her because martha thinks she's going to die because her mother till then has been, has been this just really hard-edged very stoic you know f- judgmental facade and she starts to break a little bit in that moment because she she's figured out something's going on. She hears the fear and knows one of her children is in danger. That should be what any mother should. Be. Well, don't forget that the, the first time she calls, it ends with a blood curdling scream. Like, so, so, I mean, like the next time she calls, it's like, Oh, what the heck was going like there? <laughs> there is like the sense of danger was already there, <laughs> but true, true. That is but, absolutely true. But but to your point, yeah, I mean, the fact that she, you know, uh, you know, the, that whole, like, a mother knows thing, you know, right? You know what really freaked me out the most about this episode, watching it, was that it came out, ready for this, folks, 2007. Oh, yeah. I know. Talk about time flying. I know. 13 years, folks. 13 years ago. Exactly. It's just like, what? Why? Why? What? How did that happen? <laughs> exactly. Where did these gray hairs come from? I don't know I don't, who that person in the mirror is. I mean, haven't we lived 13 years in just the last month or so? <laughs> what do you mean Boy, the last week? <laughs> uh, although watching it, I was, uh, you know, watching the, the opening credits and all that. I was like, man, it just feels like a million years ago. It's a totally different feel, isn't it? It really made me very nostalgic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't help but, you know, and I'm not usually a guy that likes to compare, but I couldn't help but like a couple times, like especially since it's a Chibnall episode, to just keep going, like, oh yeah, they don't do that anymore, (laughs) you know, or oh that's not as good now, and you know, like that kind of thing, like oh longing for the days, and that was just 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. that's how scary it is it's like you know we're going to be at the point where it's going to be from us to that episode to that episode to the old series 
It's almost oh, like stop a- that. You're going to break yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah know, don't, don't do that. Wibbly wobbly timey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, and it, but it was good. It was, it was neat to see. This is David in his prime. It is truly, he is just awesome. Yes. He is so yes. comfortable at being the doctor. And it's, he's, he really yeah. inhabits the character in this episode in a very visceral way. Right. No, very much so. And this is not it, with the spacesuit. It isn't the same spacesuit he had in the Satan pit, was it? It is, it is the same it one. Is. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's it's not supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, it, like in the story, it's not. But right. in actuality, they just took it yeah. and painted it. I think they made it a little darker or something like yeah. that. Yeah, the, the infamous orange. Spacesuit. Every time he gets into the spacesuit, though, I just go, man, is he thin. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was thinking. I was just going to say, you look at him and it's like, he is one skin long drink of water, this guy. No meat on him. None. I used to love when Donna used to make fun of him before. You know, you're a little too skinny for me. <laughs> and everything. Yeah, David Tennant is just like, here, give him a sandwich. He's starving. <laughs> My grandmother would have a field day with him. <laughs> Darling, here, have a sandwich, eat. Have a sandwich, eat, have some soup. You'll look like you're starving. Yeah, it's exactly right. No, exactly. That's hilarious. And, and that's the great thing about Tenet as the doctor, though. It's just like him as the doctor, you think he can do anything and everything. He doesn't play, you know, he plays it lighthearted, but then he gets very serious, not like scary serious, like when Matt Smith used to, because that was just scary when Matt Smith, you know, turned dark. Tenet's dark was different. Tenet's dark was different, but it was no less um, impressive or intimidating. I used to I used to watch him furrow his brow, and I would think to myself, man, he looks like a thundercloud about to just burst you know he when that eyebrow curls when his forehead kind of gets that tightened up look oh he's gonna bring it he's about to bring it um and there's no messing with him and because he's like bouncing around from you know uh being frivolous almost to all of a sudden deadly serious um and every time he does it it it's it's completely earned it doesn't feel like it's uh, like out of character or anything like that it's just it's just who he is um but it's like i mean at the end when they get back on the tardis and you know mars has had that hot kiss and she's like oh i'm really kind of like enjoying this thing and he just looks at her like like his his like Gallifrey died again. Like it's just like <laughs> like where did that come from? And and it it's just like yeah, it's just such this this cold, devastating look that I, I don't know if any of the other actors like I've always I've you know, and this is not to slight anybody, but I just marvel at, at David's uh talent. I I I say that he's the best actor that's ever played the doctor. And that, and I don't mean that in like I said to dismiss anybody else, but the, with the stuff I see David do, it just it it just is way above anybody else. I also really like the moment where he's so desperate at the end, where he's he's almost he's helpless, and yep. he doesn't know what to do. And you don't you actually don't see that a lot with the doctor, no. but he's just but he's also burning up inside. At that yeah, point. he's yeah. desperate. Yeah, he's and like he plays that so well. Like, well, here, here's here's a quick question with that though: if he would have burnt up and such, you know, would he have regenerated at that point? Well, he's he he. There's a moment when he almost broaches the subject, and Martha says, "Martha, thinking he's saying." goodbye says to him it stops him from talking about death right what she thinks is death and what he thinks is regeneration so i got the impression that maybe he would have regenerated at that point i could be wrong i don't know it depends i mean it, it all depends on who's writing the script right because it i mean i i think we're led to believe that there are some things that could just wipe him out like and certainly if he was just going to be a you know, a, a burnt stain on the wall like the rest of them. Yeah. Like that, he wouldn't be able to regenerate from that. Well, no. falling into the sun probably would have, <laughs> would have done it. 
What did you guys think of the supporting cast in this? What do you think of the folks on the ship? I love, I'm sorry, Dan. I love no, no, the, uh, um, uh, and I've always, the Russell T. Davies era, and you can see this in Classic Who too, so I don't want to give Russell too much credit, but he always manages to cast these these stories with people that do the work. And every character feels like they've got a backstory. Every there's so many times where you're watching something, even as significant like 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 this story, like in the grand scheme of things, is not really that big of a deal. But yet there are certain people that you're that you care about and you learn to care about in the span of like 40 minutes. Um and even so much so that you're like, wow, I could see that person becoming a companion. Like it's just they're just so solid. Um um and that's another thing that I kind of like, again, I don't want to keep harping on it, but I, I don't see that happening as often now. What about Graham though? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I Graham haven't... Harper who directed this? Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way too. It just, Oh, it was so refreshing to feel the the secondary characters as real people. I mean, they really, and, and they didn't, you didn't even learn that much concrete about them, but you learned enough and, and the acting was good enough that you just, I mean, you felt it when they became stains on the wall or when they got punched out of airlocks, it was, you know, it meant something. See, for me, for me, the fact that these, the fact that the actors inhabited these characters so thoroughly that you felt like they had backstories, even when we didn't get a lot of information, spoke a lot to not the quality of the direction or the acting, but to a certain extent, what was in the script. I mean, for me, one of the most impactful scenes in the episode is when the captain pulls her husband into the airlock and they go out the airlock together and you see them float away into space. It is... It's devastating because we've gotten to know her. She's realized what she's done. She's taken responsibility for it. She's lost her husband as a result. And she makes the ultimate sacrifice to save those members of her crew who are And she's taken her husband, who's gone. There's a weird sort of, there's a, there's a strange element of romance about it, but romance in the classic sense not that it's romantic but it is it's almost an epic end for her character you know she goes through a character arc in this episode from doing what she's supposed to do trying to get her business done to realizing the crime she's committed to realizing the cost of that crime to paying the price for it the ultimate price truthfully yeah and the it's also, price. it's, it's the only quiet moment in the episode when you see Good them point. just floating in space. In that final embrace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is really, it's really something. Frozen and then soon to be part of the sun. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's really, to me, that, that is some really remarkable, it's remarkable writing and it's remarkable direction because as Mary said, it's the one quiet moment in the whole episode. It's the end of these two characters and the, the shot of their silhouette against the sun, the, the silhouette of the victim of her crime. Pretty profound. I mean, maybe I'm making too much of a TV show, right? But I feel like that scene is just kind of epic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting, though, that, you know, when the guy transformed, you know, got possessed by the sun, whatever you want to call it, and he put the helmet on, and then he burnt the woman, actually, he killed the, two, doctor. the, the, two, the doctor, but then also the other mechanic or whatever on the ship, he killed the two women, but then he grabbed the guy and transformed him also. Wasn't that kind of sexist? <laughs> there is a certain amount of of gender there is a gender issue there right the women were both smaller than him and were of the same height about the same size 
Um, medical, the medical attendant that he first kills is, is the character's name is Abby Lerner. Um, and the, um, the other character is named Irina Les. And I don't know what her role on the ship was. I don't know what her... I'm not sure they ever really told us. Red shirt number two. Yeah, kind of. But she did have a name. Unlike most red shirts, she did have a name. She, she was, was complaining. She was complaining that the mechanic like was telling her what to do. So I guess I guess that she was some sort of assistant in some sort of assistant role because mm-hmm. she was doing everything from, you know, grabbing equipment to getting tea for these guys or whatever, right? So, yeah, she was kind she... of a dog's body. Yeah. Um, so Lerner Lerner was a was the medic. She was kind of the assistant mechanic. Um and it wasn't super clear what anybody else's roles on the ship were except for the captain. Mm-hmm. No, everyone else was pretty much. Yeah, they all seem like mechanic guys, basically. Crew member, <laughs> crew member one, crew member two, crew yeah. member three. And, right, right. You know, and this was still very old who feel with base under siege type feel. Oh yeah, I oh, think yeah. another reason that this this one probably gets uh, overlooked is because in David's time as the doctor, you have a very similar setup with uh, the Satan pit two-parter as well as afterwards um, with the special, with the Mars special, right? Waters of Mars. It's just like he goes and he's on this base or he's on this ship and he's in a like closed environment with a crew. And uh, it, you know, it, it, it works really well. Um, But you kind of, after a while, you know, if you watch all three of these, you probably are going to come out going, okay, now which one was the one, you know, like where they had to like unlock the doors for stuff they did on trivia night or whatever, you know, like, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. But anyway, um, uh, so I think that's another reason why this one kind of gets lumped in that way, because it's probably not as memorable as those two, but yet it's got very much of a similar environment to it. But again, you know, this was the last episode before Human Nature, Family of Blood and Blink. And when you have those three episodes back to back, a lot of what before just gets lost. Well, yeah, I mean, arguably the three best, three best story or two best stories, rather, because the three best episodes that ever have been produced by Doctor Who, in my opinion. Not complaining on that one. I'm not disagreeing at all. And that's pretty yeah. awesome. But this one, I think, is a very strong episode. I thought it moves. It's interesting. You know, The Living Sun was kind of dorky. But, you know, I think that's the weakest part about it. Otherwise, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I love the fact that the the title kind of takes on, like, three meanings. Obviously, it's a reference to Douglas Adams, former, you know, writer and uh story editor for Doctor Who. Um, it also is sort of a, 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 a numerical flip on the show 24, which was in real time. And then of course, you know, the, the 42 minutes that um, are supposed to ally with this. It's just sort of like, you know, so you've got this like sort of all this, this meaning just in the title, which is kind of. I totally, I completely agree. That's cool. Nice catch there, Mike. Very good catch. And th- this was Chris Chibnall's first episode. Yeah, Doctor uh, Who. Maybe, maybe was, his best. It was oh, one of his best. One of his best. I mean, we never know, like how, like especially in these days. And the same thing goes for Moffat too. When this time, when they're writing the scripts, obviously, you know, Davies is taking a pass at these, um, and maybe other people are too. We just don't know. Um, so we don't know how much is really them, you know, I mean, but I mean, I can well, definitely. RTD was famous for rewriting everybody's exactly. scripts. Yeah. And, and, and I can see actually watching this, I was kind of in my head now that we've seen Chibnall sort of unleashed, you know, um, uh, I can sort of see in my head, like, okay, I can see where this would be a Chibnall story. And there's a lot of stuff here that's kind of nonsense, but then, you know, RTD comes in and goes, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's have some more character development here. Let's do this here. Let's have this moment here. And, and the overall story arc that's going on, we gotta, we gotta play that out. So I can see where some, like, it just improved the episode greatly. I, I, 
Now, I just, who knows? It could be that that wasn't the case, but it just feels that way to me. I could see that. Definitely. So we've been talking about this for a little bit. And any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate? Because I know, Jenna, you took tons of notes. Did we? I did. I did. There's, did there's, there's just two things. We kind of hit most, well, we've hit a couple, we've hit most of the points that I, that I made notes about, but um, a couple of the other things that I kind of, that I found myself thinking about was that in some respects, this episodes reflect the absolute best values that Dr. Who always, that, that Dr. Who portrays. There's loyalty, honesty, self-sacrifice. This is all classic who. Um, and it also continues the theme of the effects companion that that becoming a companion has not just on the companion herself but also her family right and my impression is that that was an innovation in new who that you didn't really get that in classic who Mm -hmm. but new who really stops to say hey wait a minute people don't live in vacuums people have families and their disappearance will affect those people just as profoundly as companions' travels with the doctor will affect them. And I think that's really important. I think that's a sign of good storytelling. It's a way to round out these characters and their lives. They come into these stories with their own experiences and their own perspectives. Um, And there were two lines in this episode that... I noted down because they have stuck with me for years. The first one is, don't they teach recreational mathematics anymore? I remember bursting into laughter the first time I heard that because I always struggled with math and I'm like, there is nothing about math's fun. Stop that. (laughs) The other one is the creepiest line in Doctor Who for a long time for me was, Burn with me. <laughs> this this whole concept just kind of weirded me out. Well, um, and I could see that. The, that voice effect. That voice effect is is great. Well, if you think about it, it's you had that and then what three episodes later, don't blink. Whatever you do. Yep. So yeah. pretty, you know, iconic stuff there. All right, let's go ahead and break this episode. One out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Jenna, this is your episode. Go ahead. <laughs> Ladies first. Um, 3.75. Wow. Okay. That's totally fair. Okay. All right. Mary. You know... This episode surprised me because I'm going to be honest. I went into it with low expectations <laughs> because I didn't remember it very well. And I haven't been a huge fan of Chris Chibnall. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I re- it, it really drew me in. So I'm, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Mr. Mike. Yeah, um, I had um, forgotten this one as well, and that's a shame on me, but um, uh, I am glad that uh, this was selected. Thank you uh, for selecting this one, because uh, it, was a, it was a breath, like, it was like a, like, oh yeah, forgotten, like a lost episode in my head, you know? And uh, I hope not anymore, because uh, it really made an impression on me this time. And um, it just reminded me of like, man, this show could be so good. It, I want to give it more than a four, but I don't want to overdo it. And I think I'm thinking that that just because of all the stuff that I've seen lately with Doctor Who, it's like, well, this is way better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, honestly, that's why I gave it a 3.75 instead of a four. I mean, I love this episode, but I couldn't go all the way to four because there are episodes at that level that I think that are at that level that this doesn't quite reach, even though I love this episode. That's why I said 3.75. Yeah. Well, in my head, I've got, you got three fives in a row coming. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be comfortable enough and just settle for a four on this one, but damn, it's a good four. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Then you also have to remember we also have Dobby Doctor coming too at this point. Uh, don't remind us about that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. When they start when they start talking about uh, sax vote Saxton, I was like, ugh. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna give this a three and a half. I enjoyed it. I liked it, but you know. Compared to what's coming, I think it is a three and a half. And I love that we got to do it all together. And it's one I haven't seen in 10 years. So it was great going back down there. And it was a lot better than I remembered. I was like going, oh, this is probably just a three at the most. And I actually enjoyed it. And I loved seeing the the chemistry between Freema and David was awesome. It was just, yeah. it was just great. And I just thought, damn, I wish she was on the series longer than just a season and everything. But, you know, and why the hell here, did here. she, and then why the hell did they end up put her with Mickey? Come on. Uh, you know. After she's done with this, it's like, uh, they just, the character goes. <laughs> she was decent in Torchwood. And then I also enjoyed her. In that Santarin story that she came back for when she was working for Unit, yeah, I mean there was some high, there was some, there were some points where it wasn't bad, but mm, not yeah. the same. Yeah, I, okay, I, I'm not going to complain, but you know we got a good companion out of it, and I was, you know, to follow up from Rose, I thought it was great, you know, yeah, but then again, you know. That lamppost probably would be fairly better too, (laughs) but that's a whole different story for another episode. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. We would definitely love to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this and everything. Uh, We did receive an email um, on the podcast and real quickly, I did want to thank Andrew Craig uh, for writing us. Uh, we're not going to read the email because we'd be here for the next four hours if you know we read the whole thing. Uh, Andrew, thank you, thank you so much for writing us. And please, at home, you know, be like Andrew. Write us. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Tell us what did you guys think of Graham, or what did you think of Forty Two? We definitely would love to you know hear from you guys, and you know. We definitely would like to hear what you guys thought, what you guys want us to talk about. We've got a long time coming, folks, till Doctor Who's back. So we've got a lot of space to fill. So if you want to come on the show, talk about your favorite ep- one of your favorite episodes, like Jana did tonight, um, or if you want to just tell us what you'd like to hear us. Would you want to hear more Graham episodes? We could do that. You know, gladly. Yeah, exactly. We'd love to talk more about Graham. So. Yeah, sign wait me. to talk about Graham. Sign me up. Oh, you know, I know these two are just ready and going. So, you know, if you want to hear that, please put me through that, please. I really want to. So, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And you know, we got um, some other little bit of news. Uh, we were scheduled to be at Concasterburis in Huntsville, Alabama, the first week of June. And because of everything that's going on in the world right now, Con K has been put on hold till October. So right now, Con K is going to be the 10th and 11th of October. And it's still, as of right now, going to be the same guests and the same uh, people who've bought their tickets already will still all be accepted. Uh, Check out the Facebook page for Con Casterberis, or you could also check out their website. Um, last time I checked, though, sadly enough, their site had been hacked. So um, they're working on it. I talked to Matthew the other day. Um, but definitely Con Casterberis is pretty much the only Doctor Who con in the Deep South right now. And, folks, it's definitely worth checking out Bonnie and Matthew and their crew put on a great, great show. This would be what our fifth year, Mikey going. If we, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And it should be pointed out too, that uh, we will have earth station who will have a presence there. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to be there. Uh, We're already planning at least one member of the podcast to be there. Maybe two. 
We're still working out logistics because October is a long way away and you don't know what could happen before then as we're finding out nowadays. So definitely please, you know, check out, um, you know, Concaster Burris. They could use our support and definitely would love to, you know, do it. Some people might actually have a three day weekend that weekend because that also is Columbus Columbus day weekend. So some places have the Did Monday want to talk off. About the short so story? if you get a chance, Huntsville is a only three hour ride from Atlanta. It's like two hours from Nashville, and you know it's not that far from anywhere else in the South. And it's a great, great city. And NASA is there. They have a great space center, folks. What Mike's been there what five, six times, and you have yet to be to the space center. Hey, it looks cool. We're going by it though. Exactly. It's pretty darn awesome. So if you ever get a chance, go to Huntsville. You know, brought to you by the Huntsville Board of Tourism, <laughs> courtesy of the Earth Station Who podcast. So we definitely would love to, you know, see you guys there. And, you know, it's always fun just talking Doctor Who with folks. But, you know, it's just not Doctor Who, too. They also do have other programming, too. So I know Catherine Tate was the uh, head uh, guest they had for this year. Um, right now, she is still scheduled. And so it should be pretty cool. And so the master is going to be there too, uh, Eric Roberts. So it should be, you know, there's, they've got a great bunch of guests. So, you know, Dr. Who and Concaster Burris, they go like this. It's pretty awesome. So with that, did I miss anything that we had to talk about otherwise folks? Um, I can think of. Okay. Are we going to mention the short stories? The short stories. That's right. Thank you. See, this is great having Jenna here. Hmm. Uh, We definitely want to also let you know, we all have a lot of free time on our hands. So um, I know Chris Chibnall has put out a new 13th Doctor short story. So that is out. And we'll have a link to it up in our show notes. But Stephen Moffat has written his first, that's right, his first 13th Doctor short story. So the Moffat is back already. That's right, folks. Maybe good times are ahead for us. As long as he writes Graham into the story, we're okay, right? <laughs> well, no spoilers, but it is a terrific story. That is awesome. I'm glad you I read it last it. night. It's it's great. So awesome. And definitely we'll have links to it up on our show notes. So you'll be able to check that out. Um, our friends at Big Finish are having huge, huge sales um, on their audio adventures. And as a way of saying thank you to all their fans for everything over the years, a way of making it through, they actually have given one of their adventures away for free. If you have a Big Finish account, which is free to have, you can download a War Doctor story for free. And it's pretty darn awesome, folks. I don't know how many weeks this is going to go on for because they have sales coming on and off. I don't know if it's for the month or if it's just for the week. But definitely check out Big Finish. They have some amazing things. They have a lot of Eighth Doctor stories also on sale right now. So definitely could check out that. So should be kind of fun to do. So that also will be in our show notes. Let's thank our crew for being here this week. Of course, Jenna, you made it through your first Doctor Who episode with us. And I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope I can come back. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll look it into our contract and everything, you know. <laughs> You know, we'll have to see if, you know, we have the 90 day rule, you know, type thing. But, you know, we have a lot of time to fill. So I'm sure you'll be back. So it would be cool. So it would be cool to do that. And of course, let's thank our regulars, Mr. Mike Gordon. Thank you so much as always. As always, it's my pleasure. And Ms. Mary, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you, Jenna, for picking such a great episode to talk about. It was really fun to go back and revisit that one. Is there anything you want to promote, Mary? You can find my artwork at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Awesomeness. Yeah, folks, definitely worth checking out uh, her stuff. She d- puts out some amazing artwork. And like everyone these days, sh- this is how she makes a living. This is how she, you know, needs to uh, get some money. You know, please help local small businesses. This is, you know... It's crazy hearing how many stores and businesses are going away permanently now. And some, you know, right now we're in a really bad period and things, some things are not coming back. Um, 
it's going to be very scary to see what comes back and what does. So with that, you know, let's talk about happier things. We are going to be back again next time. And we have some amazing things to talk about. We got some good stuff lined up for you guys, folks. We are going to be talking all about next time, the gunfighters. We're going back to the first doctor era, including singing companions. Uh, okay. So we're going <laughs> back to the first sing. doctor. So, no, you do not want to hear me sing. <laughs> It'll be very interesting to do. And until then, behalf of myself, Mike Gordon, Mary Ogle, and Jenna Silverstein. Thank you so, so much, folks. We'll see you here next time on First Station Who. Peace. And we are done. Wow. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Hey, weird podcast people. Join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. Are we all going to talk about 42 or? No, just you. Oh, just okay. Yeah, we're here just to watch you. Yeah, we're just we're just watching and judging. We're judging. See how much you know. Consider this an audition. You could say. No. <laughs> <laughs> see if we even let you on another episode. No. We're fine. Be that way. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Three, two. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>